Don't worry, sweetie. It's very common to be homesick when you're so far away from the people who love you. Okay. I'm not gonna give up. Solitude never hurt anyone. Emily Dickinson lived alone, and she wrote some of the most beautiful poetry the world has ever known. And then went crazy as a loon. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. So don't take my sunshine away. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review the finale of Season 8. Some would argue the finale of the Golden Era of The Simpsons. It's the secret- Some would argue the finale of Four Finger Discount. But we would have announced it. Don't panic. <laughs> it's the secret war of Lisa Simpson. I'm Dando. How are you, Mitch? Uh, well, uh, firstly, I am Mitch. Yes. And <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little warm. Uh, it's, a, it's a sweaty old day down here in Geelong in the western side of the house where the sun is currently... Setting and baking through the window. It must be the finale of Four Finger Discount if we're thinking of talking about the weather. I thought that was your biggest pet peeve. Uh, talking about the weather is my pet peeve as part, as far as just, geez, it's hot out there. But if I'm going to go further and offer the descriptive of I'm sweating so much that my back is currently stuck to the leather couch that I'm sitting on, then I feel like I'm adding value of uh, painting an image. Not necessarily a pleasant one, but I'm still painting an image for the listeners to see the pain uh, that I put my body through every week to bring you this show. Are you channeling uh, Rose from Titanic laying across, spread across the couch? Uh, no, the dog is though. Indy is doing exactly that on my um, uh, foot seat, like sort of footrest type thing that goes along with the couch. She's just sprawled out over that and I've had to put my feet on the floor like a peasant. Like a peasant. And that's a pretty small room, your little studio you got going there too. So it would be a sweaty mess. Yeah, it's a hot box. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So, Secret War of Lisa Simpson. Uh, this was an episode that we mentioned last week. I was really looking forward to getting into. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I um, forward sell, by the way? So, not only will we be talking about the Secret War of Lisa Simpson, but big announcement for this episode. Uh, we will also be hearing from the devastated mystery patron, Joanne Vu. Joanne Vu. We're hearing from her. List, yeah, listeners from last week will remember that we had promised to read an email and then we'd lost the email. She has resent okay. the email. God oh, bless her. Good work. And it will be getting read out. Well done, Joanne. <laughs> also, not just Joanne. Uh, we have to give a special, special shout out to one Shelley Dunlop, do we not, Mitch? We certainly do. Uh, Shelley Dunlop is this month's $100 patron and... Due to schedules, we've been a little bit behind on getting our episode recorded for Shelley, but we'll be doing, what was it? Trilogy of Error. Trilogy of Error for Shelley very, very, very soon. Um, Hers was actually a Christmas gift from her partner. Jordan Harris. Jordan, thank you very much. I was looking for the last name before I went with the first. Yeah. Uh, I had an embarrassing moment with the patron on Sunday, actually. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that a little bit later Get on. Into the mailbag. But yes, thank you, Jordan, and thank you, Shelley, for your support on Patreon. You guys are absolute champions. I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. Well, I gave her a call. Uh, so I went the extra step because it was Christmas and had a little chat with Shelley. She uh, turns out she sings in a choir, Dando. Ooh, was she singing like Homer? Did her voice break? Do girls' voices break? I... 
How does a girl's voice change over the over the years? Uh, it becomes more shrill and angry at you. <laughs> Hopefully that hasn't <laughs> happened. Poor Jordan. <laughs> no, she uh she did divulge that Little Drummer Boy is apparently one of the most hated of all um uh what's the words? Uh what are those Christmas songs they sing? Carols. Carols. Is it is that the ba 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 is that that one? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Terrible. But uh Secret War of Lisa Simpson. So like I said, I was one I was looking forward to going back and watching it lived up to it. I remembered it being funnier, but I didn't mind the fact that it wasn't full of jokes. It was nicely paced and it was more mm. character driven than what we've been yeah. getting in season eight. And I think that's important for a season finale as well, that hmm. you want to end the season on a little bit more of a uh, satisfying note, something that feels a bit more rounded and a bit fuller rather than it just be really funny. For Not for all shows, but certainly for a show like The Simpsons that has uh, had heritage with doing both with being able to connect on an emotional level as much as a comedy level that if you got purely an emotional ending, it'd be a little bit too much. If you got purely a comedy ending, it'd be a little bit too much. It's actually quite a lot that this uh, shares in common with the summer of four foot two, which was uh, yeah, season eight point. finale as well. They kind of, um, yeah, really in both cases, they've ended the season on a moment where Bart and Lisa have come together. Bart and Lisa's stories are all the same. Uh, they're very, like, very, very similar. This episode didn't feel like it was anything new. It felt like something we'd seen before, but I don't mind that. I don't, because it, it leaves you feeling yeah. satisfied. Yeah, it's comfortable and it's familiar, but I'm a sucker for, you know, brother sister stories in general, or like when, when family members just stick up for each other and doing the right thing. Like that sort of stuff does get to me. And, and I think that they did it really, really well with Bart in this episode to show a genuine conflict there. It's not like he was at any point oblivious to what she was going through. He was aware the whole time, but he was also kind of put in this awkward situation himself where, you know, for for his own preservation, he couldn't necessarily be the brother that he wanted to be, but you could see that it was eating him up that he couldn't. I think Lisa episodes definitely bring out the best in Bart. You do see the best version of Bart in the Lisa episodes. I guess you do see the best in Bart in Marge Be Not Proud as well. But uh, I think Bart is very real here. Like you just said, he was torn between two worlds because as a 10-year-old, you would still want to fit in with that group as well as, but you know, you still love your sister. You don't want to push her away, but it's like, yeah, but I still want to be in as well. It's important to feel in when you're a child. Yes, it is. Thank God you put the word your in that sentence. Uh, yeah. It, it, it is a, a really strong sort of... Yeah, there it is. Time bomb joke. No, no. no. I, I, I just... I, I was like, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? I'll just try and chuckle off mic. <laughs> it's, um, it is important. Like, social standing is, is pretty much all you have when you're a kid. Like, you don't have any other overhang. So, you don't have bills to worry about. You don't suck something up because you're like, well, I've got to put food on the table. You, you go to school because... Yeah, like, yeah, you're supposed to learn. But realistically, your main goal to come home from school every day was just to have had a good time with your friends. Yeah. Like if you, if you did that, you had a good day. It didn't matter what your exam results were for the most part, or if you'd had a day where you'd been bullied from start to finish, you weren't going to come home and go, ah, well, at least I got that A+. Like you'd come home in tears. I was actually discussing with Nicola the other day, just the idea of when you're back in primary school, spending you know the afternoon at your friend's place. Can I go to my mate's place for the afternoon? It was such a big deal. It was cool to be able to hang out with your friends outside of the schoolyard. And often outside of the eyes of your own parents. Yes. I think like it's basically, it's the first times that you're taking a step towards not having rules and regulations. 
which is which is exciting. Yeah, what are some of your best memories of like after school shenanigans? Um, definitely the the ones that are the strongest would be cricket related. So okay. playing, you know, driveway cricket, backyard cricket. We had some like some friends and I came up with some really sadistically difficult rules. Like one was if you hit anything on the full, <laughs> anything. it was out. Any <laughs> any object. If you hit a fence on the full, it was out. If you hit any bush, any plant, any pot plant, any brick, like anything that wasn't bedded as part of the ground was out. And we would also do the thing of, you know, like you'd write your team out. So it would be, you'd pick, you know, 11 batsmen and five bowlers and you had to act as those batsmen and bowlers. So if it was a left-handed batsman, you had to bat left-handed. If one of your bowlers was a leg spinner or an off spinner, you had to bowl leg spinner off spin when you were being that person. And you could only bowl six balls from each person. Like we we really got right into it. And I remember one of the most satisfying moments. There was a kid who was much, much, much better than me um, who was on 199 and I decided to swing 199. a bowling change. 199? 199. I swung a bowling change and brought myself on as Shane Warne. It was the first ball of leg spin that I'd bowled for the entire day. Nicked him off. Auto wiki. Auto wiki. I yeah. love that you said wiki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that that's definitely it for me. Um, and outside of that, probably staying out that little bit later than I was supposed to. And I see now how awful that must have been for my parents where they were wondering, where the fuck am I? But that thing of just being that, you know, it's daylight savings, it gets dark a little bit later and you're like, oh, I'm just going to ride my bike around the block once or twice more or I've got 30 cents and I'll pop down to the shop before it closes and buy some Redskins. This is before mobile phones. They couldn't get in contact with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know how I ever got in contact with anyone either, actually. But yeah, so like that little bit of getting given slightly looser boundaries, but then I was pretty quick to also try to test where they were. Not in a terribly bad way, but they were exciting, you know, for a, in the mind of a of a 10 or an 11-year-old, that was, you know, a little bit dangerous and risque what you were doing. So, that was always a lot of fun. I actually kind of live those moments again now because, you know, you don't get to spend many moments away from the child when you have, when you have a kid. So, when, for example, I have to go do the shopping or something, I have to go pick up something from town... I'll be walking through town. I think, do I have time to stop at JB Hi-Fi? Will Nicola be annoyed? Let's yeah. put this to the test. <laughs> Are you finally now understanding why so many grown men take a full newspaper to the toilet? Hey, I've been doing that since before I had a kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I can complete, completely understand why you would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, this is... If I'm in here, it is the one place that yes. they can't get to me. And Nicholas says, Brendan, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on the toilet. Leave me I'm, alone. This is my time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I'm being. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just existing. Leave me be. Uh, a bit of a different note from this episode here. Do you feel like, because I do, I feel like it's a bit of a somewhat dated premise that it was weird for a girl to be in the army cadets. Back then, it was still an odd kind of thing. I guess it's been odd for a long time. Like He had G.I. Jane and things like that. But now, going back and watching it, it's not so odd. It feels odd that they would consider it odd. It definitely makes it... Uh, so many Simpsons episodes are timeless. This one makes it an artifact of the 90s. Not necessarily in a bad way, though. But I think you do need to have an understanding of the fact that women in the military was, you know, a really, really big deal for a very, very long time. Yeah, definitely. When was the G.I. Jane film released? Wouldn't be earlier than 80s, because it was uh, Demi Moore, right? Jane. It was Demi Moore. It, it definitely was um, It was not 80s. It was, it was 1997. 90s. Oh, that late. Okay. okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm just having a quick look at like women in the military to try to figure out when it became a normality. Uh, yeah. So in the Gulf War in 1991, some 40,000 American military women were deployed in Gulf War ops. Well, here's the thing. They, they were always... However, yeah, yeah. no women served in combat. A, possi- oh. a policy enacted in 1994 prohibited women from assignment to ground conduct... Uh, sorry, ground combat units below the brigade level. So yeah. it took a like they were sort of there, but they weren't. If that makes sense, they it weren't took a taken long time. serious. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, it's it's nice that things have changed. It is, yeah. Uh, but I also think that this episode can then launch as a springboard for people that, if you're growing up not aware that that had ever been a problem. Like, it might be one of those episodes that if you were, say, 22 and you watch this for the first time, you're like, ah, that's like, it hadn't occurred to me. And then you might do some research and uncover the history. So, sometimes it can work in your favor when you watch an episode that is, you know, is not what you'd expect it to be because it forces you to learn something. Speaking of learning things and times changing, I finally understand the problem with a poo documentary because I experienced it firsthand at work today. So oh, okay. We have uh, a guy at work, older guy. Is this won't name this his is name. like two weeks after you went on air saying that you have zero respect for the guy that made the documentary. I have respect for how he went about it. No, no respect okay. for how he went about it. Um, I but oh, so no respect for how he went about it. I, I all right. I can now respect the the meaning behind it, but the the way he delivered everything, okay. it was just whatever. You, once you watch okay. it, you'll kind of understand. But anyway, so, so the, the guy the at work, broader argument, you're on board with. Um, yeah, so the guy at work was dis- we were discussing something that happened in the city um, last Friday, and he said, "Oh, normally he would go to Seven Eleven to get a sl- the old. Are we talking about like stabby stabby? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he would normally shit go- went down in Geelong, people. Yeah, he would normally go to Oliver. Um, so he would normally go to Seven Eleven to get his Slurpee on Friday. He goes, mm-hmm. it was closed, and I said, um, oh, it's obviously due to the the stabbing." He goes, nah, I think the guy at work's there. And then he put on it in a poo accent and made fun of the guy. And I was like, huh. So it actually does happen. I yes. can now see why this would bother the Indian people. Yeah, it's one of those things that as, like, uh, without getting, without making a thing of it, because it is no, a no, thing no. that charges people. I was but, just surprised. I, I, that's the first time I'd actually experienced it. Someone saying it in a way that's putting them down. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, this is like... White people like you and I, like people that are thirty and white, are the are often the ones that are on the you know on the, on the internet going, oh well, it's not meant that way, and I've never seen this happen. Like, no, of course we've never seen it happen because we're thirty and we're white. Like that's that's why it's, I get real uncomfortable ever commenting on anything where someone's trying to say that this is racially charged and this is how it's made me feel and this is what it's done to my life growing up because I'm so far removed from it that how the hell could I possibly have an opinion on it? Um, but yeah, like that that is a very real example of what they're talking about. Uh, but getting back to the episode, Secret War of Lisa Simpson, I really like how the first act, so there's many episodes where the first act just has nothing to do with the story. So what this first act does really well, and it doesn't happen very often, where it really sets up the story without giving away the story. Because Lisa, yeah. the whole story is about Lisa joining the army, but you don't get that until the very end of the first act. It plants seeds, obviously, by showing her being very disenchanted at school. It, it dep- If you're in the moment and you're just watching it, 100% agree. If you were sitting down watching it thinking, where are the writers going this week? Mm. I think you'd be able to piece it together pretty quickly. Mm. They're like, well, Bart's being sent to a different school, but Lisa doesn't like her school. You know, you could join those dots pretty quickly. But 
I do I I do agree with you with what you're saying though that it's much more deftly handled the the than it would normally be and than it would normally have the time to be in a 22 minute episode. I completely forgot this is the one with the megaphones too. Not that I forgot mm. that it was one. I just I just forgot that it was coming up. So when I saw them, I was like, oh wait, it's this one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite moment from the episode? I think my favorite moment, certainly the one that made me laugh the most, was Bart's police chase. So. Like, yep. I'm going to the garage, the seconds later, you just see him drive past the window, <laughs> and then to cap that scene, he's driving back, being followed by three police cars, <laughs> and then that that gets paid off again with a callback with the no jail can hold me, and then seconds later, from off screen, the MPs have caught him. Just the timing of those jokes is flawless. It, it's a real, if you want to know, like, how to structure a visual joke, that's a really great example of it. It's a... um. Like, that could hold up in a silent film, the way that's done. It's almost like the language of a Buster Keaton or a Charlie Chaplin or something like that, just the, the way that's sold visually. Yeah, I was going to say, no words needed at all. How do you even write that in the script? That's purely up to the director to, to nail that. Oh, you'd, you'd write a stage direction. Yeah. But but still, to get it right, the director needs to interpret it very well. Yeah. My favourite moment was, just let me ask you this again, just so I understand. You're a girl. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I just don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> that's the part that made me laugh at the most. But also too. Now, uh, well, we, hold on. Well, oh, sorry, you got to go. Also with another another moment, moment that or, uh, deserves okay. mentioning now: the "You Are My Sunshine" moment. So <laughs> the the whilst the men, the ending is really touching, I think this is the one that hits me the most. Yeah, just, okay. Li- just Lisa being alone, feeling lost, knowing that her brother wants to help but isn't. And yep. and all she's got the only connection to home is her mum, and it's, it's, the way Marge sings that song, it's just a, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah, they do sell the isolation very well in that, and draw it very well. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is your favourite moment. So the "You're a Girl" was, of course, uh, our guest for not our guest, but the Simpsons guest for the week was uh, Willem Dafoe mm. playing uh, Colonel whatever Colonel's. Just I command, don't know what his commander name was. of some kind. What 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 do you think of uh, Willem's performance? I felt like it was strangely muted for a Willem Dafoe performance. A lot of people are saying that in reviews, saying that they feel like he was underused. Yeah, like I think he gets good lines, but I feel like anybody could have played that as well. Whereas, so Willem Dafoe for people that. You know, you may not know. He's Elias from Platoon. He's the Green Goblin from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. He was in John Wick. He's um he was one of John Wick's buddies. Uh, in the first John Wick film, he's been uh, what else? I'm just having a quick he's scroll through. He's been in many, what... many, many things that we've all uh, watched. He's been in a bajillion different things. Grand Budapest Hotel. He's got a role in Aquaman. But I think predominantly our generation would certainly know him from Spider-Man. But he's he's a guy that gives big performances. He's not someone who's often subtle and understated. Um, oh, he's fantastic in American Psycho as the Ooh, detective. Yes. Just a little fun fact about it, the detective in American Psycho, that all of the scenes with Willem Dafoe and Christian Bale, the director had told Willem to play it three different ways. One where he knows that he's up to something, one where he's completely oblivious, and then one where he's not too sure. And then she cut the scenes using bits from each of those takes so when you watch them you have absolutely no idea because this guy goes from being his friend to suddenly asking this really probing incisive question and then suddenly he's oblivious again it's um it's a really cool way to just keep you off balance Very uh, cool. but anyway so if someone that's got that much pedigree but then 
really none of the Willem Dafoe-ness comes through here. Now, you could take that as a good thing or as a bad thing, but I think often when you have an actor that's that big of a name that's a guest star on the show, it's kind of nice when the character is maybe tailored towards their eccentricities a little bit. Definitely. And it goes to say that I got to the end of the episode and I was trying to work out who did he play? I was like, well, who who, who was the character that we don't normally get? And I thought, well, I guess it was the commander. I had to actually look up who he played because I just thought, yeah. really? He was in it? Who? I'd liken it to when Steve Martin was in the trash episode. Like, That's true. Yep. You're like... You've waited this long to get this American comic legend on, and that's what you gave him to do? Like, that's all you gave him to do? But was he bickering, pessimistic old Steve Martin by that point, though? I don't care. <laughs> Steve Martin. I want original be, Martin. I wanted a wacky Martin. <laughs> but anyway. I'm surprised they didn't do it like a take on the um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles rant. Yeah. Now, that said, I don't think any of those criticisms that are out there about Willem Dafoe are directed at Willem Dafoe. I think he gives a very good performance in the mm. role. He just didn't uh, didn't perhaps get given as much to do as you would have expected. Well, what could, what could he have done in this episode? What character could you create to slide into this story? Or which other character could he have I played? Think, I think the commandant or commandant, depending on where you're from, just needed to be a little bit more unhinged. He's a bit too straight-laced. I've already had that, though, with the, the Bob episode, Colonel Hap Happerblatt. Yeah, not in the same way as Habitat. Not not in the I'm going to scream everything way, but more in just the I'm not sure if this man is actually sane kind of way. From this day forward, your names will be... So, new name for the episode. What do you got for me this week? Uh, I have taken inspiration from the visual of Lisa and a very, very good Jake Gyllenhaal movie and gone with Starhead. Mm-hmm. I like it. That's not bad. I've got. I originally had Full Metal Lisa, but my old mate kind of stole that once again in the Facebook group. So I've gone with a new lease on life. Okay, yeah, that's that's not too bad. Um, Chris and Nell, uh, as always, we have asked. Well, as almost always, because we forgot last week, we've asked the patrons <laughs> to come up with some alternate titles for the episode. Uh, Chris and Nell has got the Fast Times at Rommelwood Academy. Bailey Cashin has gone for a rhyming couplet with mil- military school for a sister and a fool. Mm. Uh, I didn't mind that. Luke McKay, Apocalypse Now. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. David Nayer, Don't Ask, Don't Smell. What's the smell about, though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what smells in this episode? Something kids would say. Well, Jake Taylor, uh, Band of Brothers and Sisters. That's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. And Rommelwood Ridge. Jordan Lewis almost takes it out for me with The Simpsons Go to Disneyland. <laughs> Uh, on the way to military school, wasn't it? Yeah, but I've edited that out because I think it's funnier <laughs> if you just call it The Simpsons Go to Disneyland. Uh, Kieran Taylor, A Rope Bridge Too Far. Oh, sorry. The smell thing was about Company L. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all heard the chant. Yeah. Company L, they smell. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, uh, Chris Bradford with Polisa Academy. That one's pretty great. Polisa Academy. I like I think that's my favorite. Thank you very much to all, obviously some others as well. Thank you very much to all who wrote in. Yes. And of course, if you want access so you can contribute to the uh, the new name segment, just $2 plus on Patreon. Now, Mitch, it's time for... Next question. You there, eating the paste. You kick things off this week. Uh, I certainly will. By what year were we supposed to have 12 colonies on the moon? My first question. By what year? <laughs> Not 1964 and how many colonies? Ah, uh, okay. Well, there you go. How many colonies was it? 12. I already 12. asked you yeah. that. Oh, you asked me that as well, did you? Okay. <laughs> well, my third question or second question is, how many phone messages did Wickham delete? 
Oh, was it 76? 75, nearly. Damn it. Uh, what was the inscription on the sign entering the Rummelwood Academy? Oh, shit. I did read it. I can't remember. It was a tradition of heritage. Yes. Very funny because they're both the same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and finally, one of those, you know, you got to pause it and count things questions. How many megaphones did Bart use? Uh, 22. Lower. I'll give you one more guess. Lower. Odd or even? Odd. 17. 15. Oh. Um, my final question is, what vegetable did Grandpa retain before quitting the Coast Guard? Mm, carrot? That was a turnip. Damn it. Turnip. Throwback to the old Lemon of Troy. Should have guessed that. Anyway, that's the trivia for this week. Well played, Mitch. Now, we you plugged earlier. Before we get into the review, we have a mm-hmm. major announcement. It's one of the biggest announcements we've made besides the book, I think. Um... In regards to the podcast, yeah, pretty, let's go with pretty, that. It's pretty yep. good news. Yep, it is good news. It's a it's a first for Four Finger Discount, which I'm excited. Bye. It's taken a long it's, time, but we finally just went. Hey, why don't we just do this? <laughs> yeah, it's something that I would have loved to have done two, well, maybe a year and a half ago, where I would argue we were at our peak in popularity. But uh, no, we're doing it now on the downslide. <laughs> but, no, that's not true. We our numbers are. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't want people to think we're failing. Our numbers are quite solid. <laughs> They're actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing our first ever live podcast and following that up with a trivia night at the Spotted Mallard in Footscray, Victoria. Uh, on what date? It's, it's March. Fitzroy? Fitzroy, sorry. Fitzroy, <laughs> Victoria. Mel- Mel- those- Melbourne. It's Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> it's the, the big smoke. Yeah. Um, uh, is it 20th? Something of March. March 20th. Wednesday, March yep. 20th. Uh, yeah, k- kicking off at 6 p.m. But that's not all. We're going to be our guest host, as well as guest host for the trivia night as well, mm-hmm. is famous Aussie musician, activist, and writer of this enchantment, Mr. Adam Briggs. Briggsy. Yeah. Yes, Briggsy. Um, homeboy from Shepparton, which is going to be really, really cool. Like, it, I, I'm really looking forward to getting into the Briggs story. Like, I think that is a. You know, it's if you can come from Shepparton and find yourself working in the same writers' room as Matt Groening and Bill uh, Oakley, Josh Weinstein, Bill, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, Weinstein then whatever. you are doing phenomenally well. Like it is one of those, it is one of those cases of like if you want it, you can do it. Uh, and Briggs is a really, really funny dude. So I'm looking forward to that chat. So the way the night is going to work, as you said, doors at six. I think we're going to be kicking off the pod at six thirty. Six twenty. There'll be. Yep. 6.20, there will be crowd interactions. There's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be about an hour long sort of interview. Uh, and that, of course, will then go out on the feed. But you're going to be, if you can make it there, you guys are going to be an actual part of the show. And from that point, we'll kick off the uh, trivia night. Um, multiple rounds, much fun to be had. And meet and greet. Let's say we'll do a meet and greet afterwards. <laughs> it's, but yeah, so it's basically podcast. Once the podcast is over, everyone stops for dinner. They're going to have a Simpsons themed menu. So that's both uh, food and drink. Simpsons themed. Buda burgers. Why not? Uh, and then sloppy uh, Jimbo's. Yes, the the uh, trivial kickoff at eight pm. Three rounds of just mixed. You know, Mitch Mitch is pretty good with his trivia. We'll put some fun shenanigans in between the rounds as well together. It's going to be a great, great night. Like we said, Briggs is going to be co-hosting the trivia. It's going to be really, really fun. Tickets are $25. Uh, we're expecting this to sell out pretty quickly because Briggs is an awesome dude and who's not going to want to watch Briggs' live podcast slash trivia? It's going to be a really, really fun night for all Simpsons fans. We're going to be it's, putting a lot of effort into it. Like I said, March 20th, $25. Not to get old diva, but it's four-finger discounts live podcast slash Briggs. But yeah, that's fine. <laughs> 
We'll work that out on the night. But uh, tickets are available right now on Mosh Ticks. You can go to our Facebook page. It's the pinned post to the top of the page, and there's an event on Facebook. Just yeah, go to Mosh Ticks and search Simpsons Podcast or Four Finger Discount, and it will come up. Cannot wait to see you all there. Should be a really, really fun night. It will be. Uh, some I know there are some listeners that can attest to the uh, Seinfeld Simpsons trivia that we ran at the Spotted, Mart- Spotted Mallard a little while ago. They had a great time, and this will be even better. Bigger and better, yes. Alrighty, so The Secret War of Lisa Simpson. Like I said, it's the finale of Season 8. The original air date was May 18th, 1997. The catch gag was the living room is shown upside down. The Simpsons all sit down and then fall to the floor, which is the actual ceiling. Um, there was no chalkboard gag once again, which is sad. I like the chalkboard gags. I'm missing them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I take it or leave it, t- to be honest. I, 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 The good ones are very, very good, but there's also a lot that you're just like, oh. For me, though, there's something about seeing the full intro for an episode. Okay. I get that. I Like, I was, I'm a guy that if I'm watching back-to-back TV shows, I will not skip the intro, particularly mm. if it's got a good, like, I loved watching the Dexter intro yep. every single time. Uh, I, it's it's almost like a batsman in cricket tapping his bat or like a, a batter in baseball. Um, same thing. Like just the way they set up before that first pitch. It's just a, a golfer waggling his club or her club. I was like that for just the Sopranos that. because even though yep. it went for a minute and a half long, it was boom, boom, boom. It just gets you, gets you going. It gets you ready for it. Yeah. But yeah, so how does the episode kick off, Mr. Grinter? It kicks off with a field trip. Um, mm-hmm. The Bart's class being taken to the Springfield police headquarters which would actually be a pretty cool field trip i think would it like as much in reality i'd like oh, to in reality ahead. of course it would like be, yeah. I, I reckon in legal studies i might have been taken to the uh geelong police station when i was a kid and i really enjoyed you know you got taken into the weight rooms and stuff like that you got shown the gun range um that sort of stuff was a lot of fun I've always, I've been to the police station probably three or four times in my life to make reports of some kind, like when Nicola got attacked and whatnot, and you're standing at the counter, and you see like the, the, the room open to the interview room, the door open, and you mm-hmm. sort of like try and peek in, it's like, what's going on in there? It's like the teacher's lounge at school. Like, yeah. I've always wanted to see, what's it like in there? I always like to walk in and say, are you the good cop or the bad cop? <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, you'll find out. Yeah, and then I run out. <laughs> so, like I said, the kids are at the police station for the field trip, and Wiggum arrives late. Is it 10 a.m.? Yeah. yeah, getting harder and harder to arrive by 10. I love the animation of him getting out of the car, shutting the door with his hips, coffee like in the hand. I, I think he had a towel. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he'd been to the gym, but he just got sweaty yeah. getting out of the car. Oh, I assume shower, but yeah. I shower, yeah, yeah. Like he's just showered and had no time to put the towel back down because he was running so late. The thing is though, this is how a lot of people arrive at work. Coffee in hand, on, in a rush because they've left it five minutes too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they get there and Wiggum deletes all the art messages um, then he takes them to a museum kids are originally disappointed until it's the museum of crime that sounds great doesn't it it does sound great although not as great <laughs> pretty terrifying once you actually get in there hippie pot the, party uh, <laughs> the hippie pot party <laughs> what's um California uh, cheeseburger what was he oh what was he called Johnny Johnny someone oh he does have um, a name yeah uh, the, yeah but like his missus <laughs> Helping himself to a California has got the munchies for a California cheeseburger. Is this a reference to something? Uh I don't I know. Would it not. be like that <laughs> urban legend, like couple got stoned, put a baby in the microwave type thing? Are you kidding? I said urban legend. Okay. I don't know if that's okay. ever actually happened. Okay. Like, but it's one of those things that does the rounds. Um, America in the nineties had some pretty crazy anti-drug commercials as well. So. 
there might have been something out there that it's more of a direct... It's either a direct parody or it's a play on how absurd the anti-drugs messages were in the States at yeah, the time. that's true. Uh, we cut to Lisa, who's in class watching a film on sand. <laughs> I love, just love how outdated everything is at Springfield Elementary. I, what they're doing here is just setting up that Lisa, she's just not getting challenged. She wants a challenge, yeah. and the teachers the, just can't give it to her. The whole... See, the whole segment on the moon mm-hmm. is what it was a really, really close part for me from being my favorite episode. Uh, Slow favorite down, the Tubby. You're well. not on the moon yet. <laughs> the moon gravity. Um, I just love that, yeah, like they've got something from so long beforehand. I love the sentence, the moon. For several years, she has fascinated many. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> so, so undersold. Uh, the congressman, whoever it is that they go to, well, I certainly wouldn't have a problem if man worked on the moon. <laughs> like, it's, it's just the least excited thing ever. These would be so fun to write, these segments. They really would be. Uh, there's some great ones in Kentucky Fried Movie as well, if you ever okay. um, track, track down that old Zucker Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll have to check it out. Uh, Miss Hoover has abandoned the children. Terrible, terrible teacher. Yeah, she's just bailed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just does not give even the slightest fuck. No, like, how do you keep your job after doing that? Springfield Elementary. That is true, you, yeah. She's probably still in the top three. Yeah, that is probably true. Lisa then complains to Skinner. And Skinner's justification. Well, then the stupid students will start complaining. <laughs> Furrowing their brows in a vain attempt to understand the situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great about the character Skinner. He can be a dummy, but also super intelligent and put kids down like this. Like, yeah. He can be so many things. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a real scathing insult. Yeah, I yeah. love it. We cut back to the police station. All the little banana stickers on the radio. This reminds me, when I was younger, I would always have eaten apple when I was like editing podcasts or whatever, and my laptop, I'd always put an apple sticker on it. And mm-hmm. without realizing it, I looked down at my laptop cover, and it was just covered in apple stickers. Like, And we used to do it at Ford as well. Like, It's a thing people actually do, is they stick the fruit sticker to something. <laughs> yeah, right. So I've never been one for that. Okay. Um, but I do see people do it all the time, obviously. The other thing that I'm... Not big on is the whole um, peeling a sticker off a beer bottle. But uh, I do... Oh, really? People do that? Yeah, a lot of people do. But I do get the thing that the people have obsessions with stickers. Yeah. I mean, if you're a kid, a sticker book, how much fun? And the, the, the stickers that were like little bubbles, how good were they? Yeah. You're like, I've got, I've got 50 stickers on this piece of paper, but I can put them <laughs> on any piece of paper that I choose. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, everyone follow me to my chair where I... Just need to get off my feet for a few minutes. Oh, oh, I won't be getting up soon. It's a great reaction, great delivery from Hank here of him just sitting. Yeah. I won't be getting up anytime soon. Yeah, that, that's just me. <laughs> but then notices all of the uh, megaphones on the wall. Great. This whole scene is just great. I love the acting of Bart um, just back and forth. Like, hmm, 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 hmm. Like, you know what he's going to yeah. do, but they do it yeah. so often. Like, it goes funny, just how, not funny. how long it takes. Yeah. yeah for him um, to click. I think the, 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 the pinnacle of this moment for me is the fly going past first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so great. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to play the clip because it's just awesome.
the beer exploding for Homer is amazing. Yeah, that's really good. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. All, all I wrote down here was that, like, you would. If you had that oh. opportunity, you absolutely would see what happened. It, it, it doesn't actually work, but you would try it, especially if you're a 10-year-old. Yeah. And what I like is that, yeah, Bart's not trying to cause wanton destruction here no. as well. It's, it, like, if you throw your mind back to the summer of 442, I got really annoyed about how out of character Bart was written to be deliberately a prick. Mm, Whereas yeah. here, it's just an unforeseen consequence. He couldn't possibly have imagined that. <laughs> that is true. He just wanted to know what would happen. Yeah, And it turns yeah. out what would happen is he'd shatter every window in a 10-mile radius. Yeah, that's, I've never actually looked at it like that. He wasn't deliberately trying to be destructive. He just the he, he had to see what would happen. It got yeah. the better of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he knew it would funnier. be loud, obviously. <laughs> and it's the concerned look on his face when he gets blown backwards as well. He's like, shit, that didn't go to yeah. plan. <laughs> it's like Back to the Future when Marty McFly hooks up to the Doc's amp. Oh, just, yes. Blows himself across the room. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. Yeah, so great. Um, so we cut back and it's all the ringing in the in the air. The family are punishing him, send him to the the garage, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then just immediately drives past on the mower. It's perfect, like you said. Um, then we get the uh, no drugs. So Wiggum suggests drugs. Marsh says no here. We actually get that as an episode storyline later on, but gets oh. paranoid that he's being watched when he's on the drugs and whatnot. Yeah, they they give him these drugs to calm him down but he actually turns crazy that's a i think it's like a season 13-ish era episode then wiggum suggests military school can i just call out in that moment a great bit of homer being a shit dad how married are you to the bart you know not very (laughs) (laughs) we're starting to get not nice homer a lot more now aren't we yeah but that's that's more flipping homer i reckon homer could have got away with that line in season one or two yeah, that's yeah. He's not like, being cruel. He's just being a shit dad. Yeah. He's just yeah. He's being. That's the thing that every dad thinks, but not many would say. Mm. Homer's just giving a voice to that thought that we've all had about. Well, I haven't. I'm not a father, but we've all had about something of just. Oh, you could be a better person. Well, <laughs> one of the reasons why the show is so successful is that, like you just said, he. He says the things that most grown men want to say, most adult, yeah. most fathers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, uh, well, it's exactly why Alan Partridge is so successful mm-hmm. in the UK. That say says the things that other people won't say, can get away with it, but can also be kind of admonished for it at the same time at its best. Bart then gets arrested, like you mentioned earlier. Then we cut to Bart thinking he's going to Disneyland. I actually felt sorry for him here. He was so excited. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Skitter and Mrs. K are celebrating. They don't know what to do. And Homer here, I'm sorry if you heard Disneyland, but I specifically said military school. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the hang it all out there on the most obvious lie possible. Yes. They arrive at the school. They're getting the tour. Well, it certainly was nice of you to accept Bart in the middle of the semester. Fortunately, we've had a couple of recent freakouts, so that freed up a couple of bunks. Freakouts? If uh, that happens, are we still charged for the entire semester? And Lisa, she's completely, she's impressed by the school because the seeds were planted earlier. She's not getting challenged enough at at public school. So here, this is like a heaven to her, really. Hmm. Um, Homer then throws rocks. Homer is being really shit in this episode, isn't he? I haven't, I never realized he throws rocks at the kids. They're just children, Mr. Simpson. (laughs) It's also pretty funny. Oh, it's it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It does, like, it was just a great way to juxtapose that, yeah, like, well, to me, that's almost, um, you watch movies like The Mighty Ducks and it's, you know, they at the at best, they were college 
kids, but mostly they were just young kids. But they're built up uh, or built up as being world beaters. But this is just taking that down quite literally by an adult throwing a rock at them, and you're like, oh, yep, you are just a boy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Bart is pleading he does not want to stay he does not want to go here at all but then we cut to Lisa the so am I uh, that's then setting up the actual story for the episode Marge straight away no 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 Lisa this is a jail for children <laughs> Lisa no this place is just a jail for children no jail can hold me we come back from commercial and we get my favourite moment the all right, let's go over this one more time just to make sure I understand the situation. <clears throat> You're a girl. Yes. Oh, gosh darn it. I just don't understand the situation. <clears throat> You're a girl. Lisa eventually gets allowed in and Marge says to her, look, don't worry, you can come home whenever you feel like, but I want to come home. <laughs> I want to quit and come home. I heard you the first time, honey. <laughs> We they then introduce Bart and Lisa to all the other cadets. Um, they've got new rules now due to there being a girl. And it's, it's, just, it's like, were things actually like this? Oh yeah, I imagine this and worse mm. in real life. Yeah, there were there were massive issues. Like it's stupid issues. There were legitimately people saying you can't have women fight on the front lines because what happens if they get their period? Really? I think Will Anderson yeah. was the one that uh, that I remember having a joke about that, where he's like, oh yeah, what would. What would possibly happen if they're on the front lines and someone saw blood? We get another sort of dated gag here. Not, not it's not dated. It's just when he says you're no longer the girliest cadet, and we get the real camp guy. I don't know. I just think that's the kind of thing they would just avoid now. Oh, uh, look, maybe, maybe not, because I don't. The one thing about that joke is that I don't think he was being denigrated. I think like he holds his head high in that joke and is owning who he is. I think that what they're saying here, though, is that. Being girly is bad. No, it's not saying it's bad. It's mm. just saying that you're no longer the girliest man. Yeah, I think it's kind the of girliest implied. person here. Yeah, I guess so. No, I don't. I don't think personally. I didn't think it was implied in that. The boys then get kicked out, and kids. This I can understand why they would be pissed off. Wouldn't you be? Like, surely now that wouldn't be an issue because they'd all just sleep in the same room. It wouldn't be an issue. But if you were a kid and then someone said, "All right, there's a girl here now. You're going to sleep out in the shit room," you'd be like, "Oh mm. man, what the fuck?" I don't know if you necessarily hold it against her, but it would be annoying. It probably, yeah, like if I'm trying to think back to what I was like when I was 10, more than likely, yes. Just say it's school camp, girl rocked up. Now, the girl, want, the girl wants this room, you got to go sleep outside in the tent. You're like, what the fuck? No, I want this wood I, fire look, cabin. I, I wouldn't care. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I wouldn't care that much it's just because I don't care much about things. But I, um, I do see what you're saying. And yes, I think the, the, a, lot of, a lot of kids, that would rub the wrong way. They tell her they're going to haze her. Um, we then get the hazing session. The kids in this are very, very cruel. I enjoy the hazing session, though. It reminds me of a lot of military films where this sort of stuff is, um, you know, a, a common part and an important part of a military story of showing the torment that you go through to emerge victorious on the other side. Even comedies like Stripes has a fantastic long sequence of Bill Murray just doing push-ups in the rain. How is this any different from sororities having their ceremonies? Uh, it's probably not, and you know, in real life, it can get evil, and that's where a few good men comes into it. Mm. Um, but in comedy movies, uh, even in a movie like Full Metal Jacket, it's it's an important dramatic story point. That's not to me saying that I love that it exists in real life. I just love when it exists in a film. 
The kids are then cleaning the statue. And it's it's a nice, uh, good line from Bart here. Cleaning graffiti is a mockery of everything that I stand for. Yeah. Bart and Lisa are then tied to the propeller. Um, then Bart, they, they, because he was able to you know withstand that, he gets welcomed in. Lisa also able to withstand it, pushed to the side, forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And Bart yep. turns around and Bart immediately, he's trying to say to Lisa, I'm sorry, but I've also got to do this. And she understands, but it still gets to her, as it, as yeah. it should. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's played beautifully. Yeah, just Bart's torn between these two worlds and thankfully the right one comes out on top at the end. We then get to the shooting range and I see that you attended public school so you know all about small arms. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. It is a very good joke and another one of those things that I'm not sure would fly now. Probably not now because back then the horror of all of that was still rare enough that you could mm. get away with joking about it. Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, more of a comment of the lower socioeconomic kind of schools and that sort of thing. But yeah, now it would probably cut too close to the bone. Cuts to, uh, this is a great reveal, shooting Skinner's car. Yeah, it's another one of those really good visual comedy moments. Yeah, definitely. Lisa is then struggling with the automatic. You really feel sorry for Lisa here because she really wants to fit in and no one is helping her. Like Mm. It'd be a shit position to be in, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it would be. Because she's so Uh, used to being the best at everything. Yeah, Uh, except PE. Uh, but she that's true she, yes she Dodge gets <laughs> she gets um condescended to so badly it's like I have a ball perhaps you'd like to bounce exactly it exactly the same yep take the whistle and if there's a war blow on this and I'll come help you yes I love that sentence so much is there anything just, really original about this episode it's kind of like we've seen it all before but not in a bad way you know I think it's just going back to what works but that's a good know. way of putting it yep yeah Lisa then calls home and she before she does she has to convince herself I'm not asking to come home I just want to you know, get the the warm and fuzzies from talking to my family. Just just feel a bit of comfort, basically. Mm-hmm. Classic Homer won't get up. <laughs> Marge! You got that? Marge! Hey, go on, boy. Go get it. Answer the phone. Stop! There's got to be something on this thing for that thing. Oh. So she calls Grandpa. And just to sort of reiterate just how, you know, lonely she is, she out-talks him. She, out-talks she, him. He, he can't talk anymore. He's explained everything that's happened up to, in his life up to that point. <laughs> yeah, including uh, the Spanish Civil War, which took place in 1930, just to give a... Oh, it was 30, 33, something like that. It was in the 30s, though. So, and just was, give a little hint as to Grandpa's age. It was great. That, and this is like a, a version of Grandpa that we don't get very often. He's just like, oh, I'm afraid I'm all talked out, honey. And then tries, yeah. like, tries to like handball it off. Oh, no, I've already spoken to her for 20 minutes. <laughs> and these are all the same people that when the phone rang, they're all like eyes all lit up. Yes. Thinking, this could be for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I watched this and I thought, if you've if you're still lucky enough to have your grandparents around, call them regularly because mm. they appreciate hearing from you. Don't leave it too late because you never know when you might not have them around and you'll wish that you'd call them every day of your life. Lisa is then very, very sad. Uh, she notices that she got some mail and she gets the cassette from mum and dad. And she goes to see Bart. I really feel for her here because this is kind of like her way of saying, oh, finally Bart will want it. He'll surely want to hear from mum and dad. And Bart still is just like, nah, I've really got to spend more time with the guys. Yeah. And that that's just like the epitome of loneliness now. She's like, well, if this isn't going to get Bart to want to spend time with me, nothing's going to. Definitely right. It's, it is a case of... <laughs> sometimes you need to box someone out of a situation and it hurts, but the alternative is only going to be worse. Yeah, cool to be kind method. Yeah, exactly. And 
again, I think Lisa's smart enough to know that because she doesn't turn on Bart at any point. Uh, she, she she understands the the difficult situation Bart's found himself in. Yeah, and she and really she's put herself in this situation. She knew what yeah. she was getting in for. Yeah, and the shot of Bart that comes up of like when Lisa's sort of tucking herself to sleep, mm. playing the tape over and over and over again. The shot of Bart looking out the window over to her barracks. It just helps emphasize that as well. It helps keep him humanized throughout that whole thing. Just little moments and little character beats that make it a, a well-rounded story and a believable one. You know, it would have been a nice moment. He probably couldn't have done it in the story. He probably would have just wasted some time. But have Bart sneak out in the night just to sleep on the floor next to Lisa, just so she's got someone, and then sneak back in before the guys wake up. Yeah, that could have been happened. Could have been, but the the scene that we get of him in her barracks is close enough to that anyway. Yeah, true. Like you assume he's had to sneak in there to be yep. able to talk to her. Yep, yep. Um, good moment here. Lights off. Oh, lights on. Lights on. <laughs> <laughs> we come back from commercial, and Bart is apologising to Lisa, trying to explain himself, like why he's doing the way he is, why he's doing these things. He doesn't want the guys to think that he's gone soft on the whole girl issue. And this is where Lisa almost gives in. She's like, well, look, I'm just, I'm sick of being an issue. I didn't realize it was going to be such a big deal. And he's like, no, 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 you can't give up. And I think we've all done this where we, like, he's looking at his, his shoes and he makes the, um, the, the reference to his tying a knot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like being the best knot to- tire, deciding not to tie knots anymore. And then after that, starts talking about being a sock maker. Yeah. When you stop looking at your feet. Yeah. <laughs> But Bart mentions to Lisa that he's going to support her in secret because, you know, you can't let the guys know. Then the commander is addressing the children and he introduces the Eliminator. This can't be legal. (laughs) I wouldn't have thought. Uh, I couldn't hear the Eliminator and not hear Mike Whitney's voice saying it just in my own head. Oh, mate, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. If you can cross this, I'll give you 50 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lisa, uh, I hope you've had your wheat picks. For those, oh, that's right. That was the catchphrase. For those international listeners who don't know who Mike Whitney is, which you wouldn't. Um, well, you might, if you're a cricket fan, you might know him. Mm. Uh, he hosted the Australian version of Gladiators, and then he also hosted a show called Who Dares Wins. He did. Vulcan, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, so that's right. Gladiators is what the Eliminator came from. That's why I couldn't. Like that was oh, the final. Sorry, I thought the you final obstacle. It yeah. had the um the backwards travelator that you had to run up. Oh, I remember exactly what it yeah. was. I forgot what it was called though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Eliminator. It was the Gladiators. It's been a, it's a worldwide franchise. It basically yeah. was American Ninja before there was American Ninja. Yeah, but better cuz it oh, had mate, amazing. People throwing you off the obstacles. Hulk Hogan used to host the American one as well. <laughs> oh, did he? That's amazing. Yeah. Pyramid was always my favorite. You just watch these guys get tossed all the way back down. The yeah, they get in the top and then just push, and they just they couldn't stop themselves. Just keep bouncing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Homer falling down the cliff. Yeah, uh, Gauntlet was another good one. Yeah, when Gauntlet was one that I prefer to see someone just plow through. You go, how'd that happen? What about like, the one where they were on um the the podiums up in the air and they had the, the like the um the jousting sticks? Oh yeah, like the big um almost dumbbell looking. Yeah, things. and they would just belt yeah. the shit out of each other. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I've still got a Vulcan Tarzo on my wall here. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, so then we get Lisa saying this wasn't in the brochure. I remember that being the end of the commercial. Yeah. Kind of one of those lines that's just written, not for that, but it just fits perfectly for the commercial. Yeah, or it would often get taken out of context and yep. put on other commercials. Yeah. Yes. Bart then leaves her a note to meet her at Eliminator so they can practice. And he also, he's like a, a little, uh, a mole now. He's warning her they're going to mm. be throwing the meatballs at you. 
Yeah. I, I appreciate that he wants to help his sister, though. It's good. Yeah, it is. And the overnight scene that we get next is a really beautiful moment of, like, there's some actual fear and danger there. And then when Lisa's falling, I actually thought that it was a dream sequence. I'd forgotten about the fact that he tied her up and was there helping. But, like, he is putting in the hard yards to make sure she gets through this. And this is some truly selfless behavior from him, which is, you know, not often seen, but it's great when it is. Yeah. Uh, the other cadets arrive after going to the town to eat corn. <laughs> mm, that was some good corn. <laughs> uh, he hides Lisa by lifting her up in the air, but then turns he turns it back on them. It's like Jedi mind tricks. You don't want to see their identification. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth sneaking into town. That was some good corn. Uh-oh. Uh, hey, Simpson. What are you doing out here? Nothing. Nothing? Doesn't look like nothing. Oh, yeah? Well, um... What are you doing out here? Uh, also nothing. Well, okay. Okay. Then carry on. All right, we will. <sighs> that was close. Bees. 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 Ah! Ah! Then it's time for the Eliminator. Um, now, the kid that screams at the start, and races in is a caricature of Mike B. Anderson. Yeah, right. See, I was actually thinking that the way he was, um, tr- the way he ran into it was almost like uh, Private Joker from Saving Private mm-hmm. Ryan. Uh, not Saving Private Ryan from oh, meant, yeah. Full Metal Full Jacket. Jacket yeah. Um, doing like Warface and just running at the dummies, like the sandbags. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid. I would have been, I don't know, eight maybe. Oh, that's too young. Yes. Ooh. Very, t- way too young. <laughs> I Joker. Yeah. That, that, that would have been about the time you turned off. I reckon it. Um, it haunted me for a, for a good while. Yeah. Yep. Good. Wasn't good at all. It was, it was one. Of, it's one of my dad's favorite movies, and I was always just like, ah, oh, watch this, watch this. See what all the fuss is about. Why dad likes it so much. Yeah, I didn't watch that again for a long time. Uh, I was listening to another podcast with John Favreau. Yeah. Where he was talking about trying to connect with his kid through different films. He's about 10. And he's like, I, you know, I was showing him some old things. And then I thought, maybe what's a more modern one? I was like, super bad. And he's like, I'd forgotten how hard an R super bad was. He's like, I got two sentences in before I practically ripped the Apple TV out of the wall. <laughs> Drawing all the dicks and everything. It starts with them ranking the or like having a very in depth conversation about what porn site they're going to subscribe to. Ah, that's in right. Their yes. First year. A, a very real conversation when you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Uh, great touch here of the kid playing the bugle when Lisa turns up. <laughs> yeah. Bart is very concerned. I've got here as you fucking would be when you could potentially be watching your sister fall to her death. Yeah. Or anyone. Those kids be traumatized. Like yeah. that they you know, they would be ready to go and kill. Like I, I'm running here thinking, this is pretty intense and in that it took Bart even that long to want to support Lisa. Mm. She's gonna fall into a patch of rose thorns or whatever they are. Like she is going to die. Bramble bush. Yeah, she is going to die. How could you not want to attack everyone who is trying to cheer your sister dying? Yeah. Well, you know, well, he thankfully, steps forward. thankfully, he does save. Well, he doesn't save the day, but he finally, finally starts supporting her, and it's it's a nice moment. She she does it, and then she almost starts rubbing it in. Now, I've got here. This is the part of Lisa that I don't like, and a lot of people don't like, is that when she finally succeeds at something, she's very snooty. She likes mm. to rub it in people's faces when she's successful at something. Yeah, that's true. But I didn't but take here, her but as being but, snooty but here. here, to be here she's just. 
proud of the fact that she was able to do it. Yeah, she's just elated and she's not dead. Yes, <laughs> like, that, that there's a fair, she's riding a fair wave of adrenaline at the moment. When she's hanging upside down and she's looking at Bart, it's a very... Have you seen Toy Story 3? Yeah, It's a moment where they're going down into the, into the lava and it's like about to mm. accept their fate. She's like, yep, I'm about to die. I'll miss yep. you. I'll miss you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough moment. Yeah. A, a great line too uh, when she says, if I wish I was back at school. My friends would be cheering me on. Oh my God, I'm delirious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like we said, it's a, it's a truly character-defining moment for Bart for when he starts supporting it. We've seen it before, but it's, it's the best version of Bart by far. You can make it, Lisa. I know you can. Come on, I know you can do it. Just get your hands back on the rope. It's just a little further. Come on, just a little bit more. You're doing great. That's it. Come on, just a little bit more. I know you can do it. I believe in you. Then it's the kids say they're gonna, you know, haze him or just it, it put him down, make life hell for him for the rest of the um, semester. But graduation is in three hours, <laughs> and that's like another good joke about the military drilling of them as well. That they're like, oh my god, we gotta go change. Yes, like it's yeah, like they've they've got to be in their best best dress for graduation, regardless of what personal grievances they have. And a nice little touch of a uh, graduation. You won't be actually fighting in the wars. You'll be required to build and maintain the robots. <laughs> Homer and Marge are scared of Bart. He's just been... It's, it's weird, though, because he wasn't behaving like this, and now all of a sudden he is. Well, we never really saw him, though. Like, we have only seen him since Relaxing, the gun yeah, range. We yeah. only see him in the off times. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Lisa receives the medal. Uh, what is it, second grade or something? Yeah, just satisfactory completed second grade. Yes. <laughs> like, you think it's going to be this brilliant thing. It's just a completion. Just like, oh, <laughs> I love the I love Yardley's line reading of oh yes, but it's still a nice touch that military accepting. You know, we were wrong. You belong here. Well, kids, we're so proud of the way you completed military school. We thought this time we'd take you to Disneyland for real. <laughs> Whilst this is really, really funny and a, a good way to end the episode, this only works on TV because the kids would realise they're not in the Disneyland car park. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't get out of the car, run up to the front door, and then only realise it's a dentist. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyway, overall, this was a really nice way to end the season. I'm glad they didn't end it with Homer's Enemy or Simpsons Spinoff Showcase. It gives you everything that you really want in a Simpsons episode. You get funny Homer, you get idiot Homer... You get a good Bart and Lisa moment. It's just it's got all the elements that make up the reasons why the Simpsons have been so successful. Yeah, I agree, I, and I do think that it's like it's not the strongest episode of season eight by any stretch. No, it started in an absolute flurry, but it is a very satisfying one to end the season on. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, I learned that the range of uh, whatever little missile launcher that Bart was using is um, deceptively long. Well, it depends how far away is the military school. Well, it was a drive. It was like, it's... Far enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like it's next door. (laughs) No, no. I learned that it takes 15 megaphones to destroy a city. Good fact to know. (laughs) Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! 
Mailbag time. Before the mailbag, Mitch, you mentioned at the start, and I can't for the life of me remember what it was. You said you wanted to mention something at the start of the mailbag. Oh, no, I just said that I... Uh, so, I had an embarrassing moment with a patron, and I thought I would apologise, as oh, much yes. as I apologised yes. profusely at the time. I thought I should apologise on air as well. Um, James Rourke Dunkley popped down to the Workers' Club. Uh, he was... Disappointingly, and perhaps embarrassingly for him, the only patron that decided to do so. So, um, but it was good. Had, uh, had a nice chat, chance to be able to have a one-on-one chat with James for a bit. But what I did wrong after maybe an hour and a half was call him Josh. And after an hour and a half, yeah, uh, I was trying to look him up on something. I was like, "What was your name again?" Josh, right? Uh, and it's James. I went, ah. So, and what had happened is that there's a AFL footballer named Josh Dunkley who plays for the Western Bulldogs. Andrew Dunkley used to play for Sydney Swans. Yeah, well, I didn't call him Andrew. I called him Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and I think that's what had happened. My brain had taken over because I used to have Josh Dunkley in my super coach when he was in his rookie year. Okay. That's my story. I'm, I'm staying with sticking it. to it. <laughs> but I still felt incredibly bad. Yes, as you would be. And now we're going to kick off the mailbag with the one that we forgot last week because she deserves mm-hmm. it. Is it Joanne? Joanne Vu. Joanne Vu. What, hit me with it. What, what has she got for us? All right. That's a massive email. Goodness gracious um, me. I'll, I'll just go to the original message. Hi, Mitch and Dando. I'm Joe from Sydney. Just wanted to say hi and thank you for giving me something to listen to at work while I process music royalties. She's, uh, I've been a Simpsons fan my whole life, and I proudly show that with my Simpsons pocket tees, pins and patches, and an obnoxiously bright Mr. Sparkle laptop case. Uh, I bought my bro- boyfriend a matching Mr. Sparkle mug. He returned the favor by getting me a Pin Pals mug, and the Simpsons gift go- giving will go on forever. This beloved show was even there at the start of our relationship. They shared their first kiss while watching The Last Temptation of Homer. I'd love to know what scene. Like, yeah. How was early it when on? He was about to cheat on his wife because that's kind yeah. of you know hot and heavy. Or was it when Marge comes and you know? Yeah. Or was it naked chick riding a clam that got you going? Or was it um, like, getting up and close and personal in the elevator? Yeah, so many options. Or was it Barney wearing his bikini? Was it the turkey? Oh, Joanne. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Joe says that she loves the podcast for many reasons. She loves the Aussie humor. She loves my pretentiousness, and she likes Dando's. She likes Dando. And mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she sometimes catches herself feeling proud for understanding our various obscure references to the Beatles, Star Wars, Hitchcock films, Edgar Allan Poe, and Seinfeld. I, I've got to point out that none of those things are obscure, but okay. <laughs> like, your obscure references to the most famous rock band of all time. Um, Is that our obscure references or the Simpsons' obscure references? No, ours. Okay. But maybe it's obscure references about those people. Yeah, possibly. Anyway, the question... Finally, if you could pinpoint one memory or one item that sums you up, what would it be? For her, it would be a v- uh, it's a VHS tape that we used to record Simpsons episodes on. On the tape, we had an old commercial for Dunkaroos and the music video for Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins, which is one of my favourite music videos because of its turn-of-the-century art style inspired by a trip to the moon. The only thing missing from uh, that is the Beatles and Dungeons and & Dragons because she wouldn't be complete without them. There's a photo of me. I was, we had the old photo album out um, from when I was a kid. And I was being scanned them onto the computer. And mm-hmm. I found a photo of me, my seventh birthday, uh, ho- hosting my... Uh, it was my birthday party at McDonald's. I was playing James Sherry as the host of Amazing. We had teams. And I would hide, <laughs> I would hide straws in the maze. Oh, and, God. And I, we were playing Amazing in the maze. That's, that's like the epitome of Dando right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yeah, that's pretty good. 
I don't know if I've got an object. Like, I don't know if I have any one thing. But if I had to go with a memory, one that comes to me would be my grade six. Was it grade six? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in grade six where I we had a talent show and... I might have even spoken about this, but Jerry Seinfeld, I'm telling you for the last time, had gone out to wear in Australia like a month beforehand. And I just was obsessed with it. I'd recorded it and watched it time and time again. So at the talent show, I just did five minutes of Jerry Seinfeld jokes. And just I like think you did that. did Stuart Lee jokes when you did the adult stand up. I did two of them. Uh, <laughs> but I think that perfectly sums up, like, A, my ability. My willingness to be in front of a crowd, to not be shy, uh, my desire to want to be creative, but not always being good at that. <laughs> Stealing material and passing it off as your own. I was a kid. I think all kids do that at How the do you explain Stuart Lee's then? Uh, I was on a deadline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hadn't done any form of stand-up comedy in a very long time, and on two weeks' notice, I had to come up with five minutes. Is that still minutes. on YouTube? Uh, possibly. It's probably on an account that you don't know what the password is to log in and delete it. Yeah. No, there's actually, there's some really good stuff in there. Like the, the all the stuff about um racism is very, very solid. I just, I borrowed two lines of Stuart Lee to connect two jokes together. That's all I did. Google, uh, no, Google, YouTube, <laughs> Mitch Grinter, Stuart Lee. Mitch Grinter Geelong, it is searching. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's bad, it's, it's funny. It's, it's just weird seeing you before I met you. It's odd. Yeah, right. But they've also got the video of you doing um, the female menace. That's worth watching as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was that was a part two to a, a part one, but it still works. What about Bishop <laughs> Bishop's knife trick from Aliens? Oh, that's just my mate doing the knife trick, but with a pen. And I only put that up there because I wanted to disappoint people. <laughs> okay. But just YouTube it, you'll find it somewhere in a dark corner. Yeah. Uh, you'll also find, if you look hard enough... Um, character by the name of Bud Maverick unboxing a, a Texas offset smoker which I think is one of the funniest things I've ever done yeah cool I'll have to look for that myself have you ever have you ever watched that video I haven't no ah it's it's, it's a treat <laughs> actually you will get a kick out of it because you ha- will have seen unboxing videos so there was off the back of a guy I used to work with Tristan and I were just taking taking the piss out of the concept of an unboxing video like I'm gonna open this up but like I've bought a PlayStation 4. Let's open it up and see what's inside. Well, holy shit. There's a PlayStation 4 and a fucking power cord. Who would have thought? Yeah, people know what's inside, but they want to see what the quality is like, what it actually is. They want to be Yeah, able to- okay. Okay. But in any case, so I decided to be a very earnest guy um, from somewhere from the south opening up his new barbecue. There you go. That's, that, that's your thing yeah. that epitomizes yeah. you. The basic hook for it was that you would think that the video was supposed to be about the barbecue, but it's not. This guy is just obsessed with opening boxes. <laughs> so, very detailed instructions. Rather than in details about the barbecue, it's very detailed instructions about, you know, how you want to remove the sticky tape <laughs> and that sort of thing. Was that all from Joanne? Yeah, that's all from Joanne. Alrighty, well, let's go. Two more questions before my battery dies on my laptop here. All right, then. Kieran Russell, following up about kids not being able to celebrate scoring a goal. Okay. Uh, he had an experience that took it to a new level. He plays American football in the adult, 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 emphasis mine, National Leagues. We scored a touchdown and everyone lost their mind. Flags hit the field. It was overturned for celebrating too hard. What? The officials overturned a touchdown. 
for celebrating too hard. We're talking 40 blokes from the ages of 18 to 40 playing for two massive cities. 80% of us work full-time and get a touchdown snatched away for celebrations. This is madness. Oh, dear. And... Were there riots? No, oh, possibly. I would, not, that I would it, not continue to play if that happened to me. He has added in there saying it was only celebrating. They weren't taunting the other team. That's insane. Imagine that. Imagine that if, like, local cricket, that you get a wicket, you get pumped up about it, and then the batsman gets to come back in. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Turn around. Warner, turn around. Matt, come back, come back. You've, you've hurt my feelings, mate. I've <laughs> got to keep going. All righty. And finally, what else we got? Um, Tom Owen, I'm reading this one live. Hello, gents. I've been meaning to write the thank you part of this email for a good few months now. Towards the end of the last summer in the Northern Hemisphere, a friend and I went on a walking trip to Kamchatka in the far east of Russia. So that means it's probably not pronounced like Kamchatka. It would be said some other way. Whilst it was pretty spectacular, we saw some magnificent things. It was also quite testing. Camping 11 nights on the bounce with a group of Russians, putting on wet socks every morning and eating... Is that just a Russian custom or did you not have shelter? And eating Russian canned meat almost every day and not the things I'll be doing again in a hurry. The highlight of each day was getting into my nice warm sleeping bag and listening to one of your se- uh, podcasts from an episode about an episode from season seven. Uh, they helped keep him sane for the near two-week period that he was away from civilization and just wanted to say a big thank you for what we do. Thank you for uh, listening. And you're welcome. He said, as your podcast approaches the end of the golden era, I've got a comment slash question about the city in New York, New York versus Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. I've only seen this episode a handful of times and was quite surprised when I looked it up recently to see that it was from season nine. It had the feel of a much earlier season. Uh, with the New York subway scene, Homer clamped with his car in particular. Do you agree? Well, we've actually already reviewed that one, so I'm not sure whether we say that in the review. Um, it was a Patreon exclusive. Was that a holdover, maybe from season eight? Because it was the first season, the first episode of season nine. It's possible that it was, but I don't remember. But it I, definitely... I, I, I completely agree. Like, I always am shocked when I go, oh, it's a season nine. It does feel like a season seven-ish episode. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Like It was one that when I went back to it, I wasn't expecting the world because of the fact that it was a later episode and I was quite pleasantly surprised. So, if we have a look, just to cast our eyes quickly to season nine. Oh, I'm really looking forward. So, City of New York versus Homer Simpson is the next review you guys will get. We've already recorded that, so I can't can't add anything. But after that, The Principal mm. and The Pauper. The most controversial well, I am, look, of all are time. Are we getting Bill? We can get Bill on. I would love to have a chat with Bill in the lead up to The Principal and The Pauper. Why don't We've we got just a couple get weeks. Bill on to do the show with us for that week? That'd be amazing if we could. Yeah. If he's up for that, that'd I'm be I'm sure good. he would be. Um, I was talking to Bill yesterday, so I'm sure he would excellent. be. Excellent. Uh, that Bill, Bill Oakley, for people unaware. <laughs> <laughs> but <Bill>. then <laughs> when I have a look through some of these others, Bart Star, All Singing or Dancing, Bart Carney, like some of these episodes are a bit hit and miss. I still really liked The Simpsons at this point. It was still, that most of them are still pretty mm. good. Yeah. Look, some of the, like Lisa the Simpson is a very, very good episode. Uh, the tr- uh, maybe not so much the trouble with trillions or Simpsons tied the joy of sect very I remember that as being a very good episode I'm looking da- forward das to that. Das is another one I thought was an earlier season. Yeah, Realty Bites um yep. was the, the one. That, but I will say that season nine started to lose its main connection for me, and that when I when we were writing the book, season nine was the one that I had the hardest time trying to figure out what episode to review. Yeah, um, yep. until Realty Bites kind of smashed me in the forehead and I went, what the hell have you been thinking? Um, 
there's there's still definitely some really strong quality episodes throughout the next season though. But you, there's just a few of them that aren't. Maybe it's just that I haven't watched them and rewatched them as much. So yeah, I read I'm really looking that- forward to doing season nine because it's like that. We, we mm. I, I want to see whether there is such a big difference between this era and the the start of the the new era. Like how quickly it might change. Yeah, yeah. I think season eleven ish is when it really started to change. But season season ten's got some good episodes as well. I'm really looking forward to it. But mm. next week. Do you want to do like a season recap for the patrons or do you want to just get straight into the, the old uh, city of New York for the Homer Simpson? Well, let's make sure that next week we drop the Trilogy of Error review. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and I was also... So, you guys will get... Like, if there's any patrons that have already heard the City of New York versus Homer Simpson, you'll, you'll get a fresh episode next week as well. And outside of that, I have another little something that I was working up... Uh, that's about as much as I'll say. Okay, cool. It's Sounds an interview. Good. A special interview. Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, you uh, don't. Yes. Uh, also, you don't legitimately forget. don't. This is. I had this idea two hours ago. Oh, it's not the child? No. Okay, cool. Uh, so, don't forget, like Mitch and I plugged at the start of this or towards the start of this podcast, our first ever live podcast, March 20th at the Spotted Mallard in Melbourne. Tickets are available right now on Mosh Ticks. You can just head to moshticks.com.au, search for finger discount, or you can yep. just head to our Facebook page. It's the pinned post at the top to find the Facebook event, and it's got links to tickets there as well. Like we said, famous Australian musician, writer of uh, Disenchantment Briggs is going to be co-hosting not only the podcast, but also the trivia night with us. It's going to be great themed menu, themed drinks menu as well. Prizes for first, second, and third teams. Our teams of two, four, and eight, I believe. You can have it. It's on, it's on the page. I can't quite mm-hmm. remember. But uh, also prizes for best dressed, and we've got so many prizes. The beauty of working at pop culture is you get access to this kind of stuff. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be great. Cannot wait to do it. $25. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. But now, yeah. Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Sir! No, sir! Shh.